You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. I see this here, Zach. Trump suggesting black voters relate to his indictments prompts swift backlash. You know what's crazy? There are people that relate to Donald Trump, black people that relate to him because he's in legal trouble, and that's crazy. That means that the criminality that since the beginning that has been thrust upon black men is sometimes worn like a badge of honor, and it has become cultural. Not necessarily because of our doing, because in the very early times when you were creating the foundation of what would be the prison industrial complex, like we weren't making laws. They were. And when they were making laws, we barely had any kind of freedom. They're going to lay a foundation that is always going to work to ensnare us. So you got to know the foundations of the criminal justice system. And it becomes cultural because think about how many just off the top of your head. How many popular hip-hop artists and or songs mention going to jail? And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, good or bad, because I think artists have an unlimited amount of creative freedom. I want to give artists more leverage and more latitude in what they talk about than anybody else because they really can open people people's eyes, especially when art is offensive. It's supposed to be offensive. It's supposed to rub you the wrong way to get you to think about different things and different perspectives that you otherwise would totally ignore. But it has become cultural for us, not for all black people. I think that's where people get angry. They assume that all black people are criminals, but there's some of us that are, and that's the life they live. Now I can give you reasons for that. When you deindustrialize central cities, which is the reason why black people and black families thrived for a period of time after world war II into the 1970s up until the Reagan era, and you take that away. That was our mainstay. That was our life's blood. That is when families were intact. We had money. We owned property. We had cars. You take that away and replace it with what? Nothing. So it's very easy to ensnare us in a criminal justice system, in a military, I'm sorry, a prison industrial complex, military industrial complex, something slightly different. When you take away our number one source of opportunity economically, when you take it away, criminality, poverty and crime is right around the corner. And so for generations, it has been a part of the black experience. You ever want to get your heart broken? You guys ever go and talk to the children, go talk to the babies, go to their schools? I'll use a I use a high amount of caution. When I go and talk to young people, I don't really do it that often. Earlier on in my career, I did it more often than I do now because now I'm just I'm hurting because I realize where we just have failed these children. And I made I made a mistake. I don't know what I was talking about. But I was I was at a career day. And it was weird because I was at a career day for like middle school kids and I was there as a broadcaster. These kids, like I'm not not not, not a podcaster, a broadcaster. These kids don't listen to the radio. Radio is something that their grandmother, who is somebody my age, would listen to. But we got on the subject of jail. I don't know how. And I said, raise your hand if you know some of these are children now. They maybe were sixth grade, seventh grade. Black children. 
raise your hand if you know so, someone who has been to jail. Every hand. Every hand of these children. Now, some of those children will understand, like, oh, that's bad. Uncle so-and-so did something bad, or my stepfather did something bad. I don't want to go down that path. But then there's some children where it's their destiny because they only know their uncle being in jail their whole life. They only know their daddy being in jail their entire life. And so if you think that does not have a profound influence on us and and on our culture, sometimes folks that are in that system relate better to other people that are in that system. It's almost like two men that both served in the military. Oh, hey, I see I see you military. Oh, what branch? And they can have a whole conversation because they've got similar experiences. Somebody that did a 10-piece, 15 years in prison, can share stories, positive and negative, uh, with somebody else that also maybe was even in the same prison. They'll talk about people that they know. They'll talk about certain guards they might be aware of, certain guards that were crooked. So, yes, absolutely, Donald Trump being under criminal indictment is relatable to some black people. Now, I'm, I haven't even read the article. I'm just going off of the title right here, but I know that there is fact to it. But here's the other thing. Chances are, just because they can relate, some African-Americans, probably men, can relate to Donald Trump because of his criminal entanglements, that don't mean they going to vote. We get caught up in the hoopla because during what we call election cycles, so when we're gearing up toward an election, the months and years leading up to an election, a lot of weird information, a lot of weird journalism comes out. Like you hear about all these people that, oh, this group of pro-Palestinians are mad at Joe Biden and they might might not vote for Joe Biden. And you hear about this particular group. Oh, these people are really, really upset. Young people ages 18 to 30 are not very enthusiastic about the election. Oh, no, that may help Donald Trump. What we do is we take small demographic groups of people that have really extreme opinions on politics, and then we generalize them to the entire election. Here's the thing I know about 18 to 30 year olds. They vote in lower numbers. Here's what I know about people who are 65 and older. They vote in every single election. In fact, they rarely miss them. So when you have someone like Bernie Sanders, that really was able to do something in galvanizing young people, which makes zero sense. It makes sense and it doesn't. It means ultimately, now let's go up to the 10,000 foot view and look at this one now. Everybody is capping about Joe Biden's age because Bernie Sanders is 200 years old and 18, 19, 20 year olds were packing his rallies. They didn't care about his age. So now people are just using Joe Biden's age against him because they ain't really got nothing else. That whole thing with Burisma, all that was just made up. Y'all know that Joe Biden is a good president. The only thing you have against him is his age. And Ronald Reagan got elected to what his first term or his second term. How old was Reagan? He was 69, I think, when he got elected. If you were a man, you were 69 years old in 1980, you've already met life expectancy. So technically, adjusted for how much longer we live now because the improvements of medicine, et cetera, et cetera, Reagan, when he was elected, is technically older than Joe Biden will be when he gets reelected. Men didn't live nearly as long, and Ronald Reagan was elected at or probably past life expectancy. And that wasn't that big of a deal. Bernie Sanders was a phenomenon for young people. They could have easily rejected him because of his age, but they didn't. Meaning Joe Biden's age is not a factor. It's the media drumming that up. And once the media drummed it up, then y'all talk about it, pretend like it's an issue. 
what we come to find out is if a candidate is speaking directly to us about things that we care about, we don't care how old they are. In fact, guess what? We don't even care what race they are. But here's what we do care about. Their gender. Nikki Haley will never be president. Isn't that crazy? Now, we, we kind of don't want her to be. But we, do y'all understand how much we hate women? We hate them more than you think. Hey, lady. Ah, sorry. You got raped. That sucks. Well, you got to have the baby because if you don't, everybody's going to jail. The doctor that performs the abortion, you. Oh, and it's 13 states, unless they changed the law last night, where a rapist, Follow me. This is how much we hate women. This is why Nikki Haley's not getting elected. This is why Hillary Clinton, for whatever y'all said about Hillary, because even the reasons why you didn't like her didn't make any sense. Because you know what's the biggest reason why people didn't like Hillary Clinton? They tried to make stuff stick to her. Well, there was an, an embassy in Afghanistan, something, something. She had to testify about her emails for 13 hours. Hillary Clinton didn't even miss a beat. She didn't even get up to go beat. They testified. They tried to get Hillary Clinton on something. Nothing stuck to her because she was a clean candidate. The biggest thing that y'all said about Hillary, ah, I just don't like her. I just don't. Just say you didn't want a woman president. I would respect you more if you said that. You know what's crazy? White women didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. You got 13 states where a rapist can get custody of his, of his child. If that ain't woman hate, like that's deep embedded in the fiber of this nation. When I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I didn't think this was modern America. But if, if the man is like convicted, though, of rape, then it's, oh, well, you've been convicted. No, you can't have custody of your child. But, you know, a lot of times in sexual assault, if it's unclear or inconsistent information, a lot of it is he said, she said. A lot of times alcohol is involved memories are fuzzy and when you delay a trial that's an actual important tactic for the defense because if you continue to delay the trial and you delay and you delay and you push for another delay and you file for another jurisdiction people who were witnesses begin to forget so what you do right is you get the witness testimony really early on like you interview people the night it happened right and then you have a you have the arrest, you have the arraignment, you have a trial date set. Then you get you a good attorney. They want a motion to delay, and then they delay it again. And now it's delayed two years. Now it's delayed three years. And you bring some of those same witnesses back, and you ask them to recount the night in question, and what they remember is totally different. Now, what they said originally, these witnesses that were interviewed two years prior or three years prior, what those written statements are now moot because they remember something different. And that is how a person, not just rape, you can get away with a crime. Because if you just continue to delay, witnesses forget. I don't know what I had for dinner on Thursday. No clue. Or yesterday. Oh, I know what I had for dinner. Yes, I went to Saffron. Let me tell you about Saffron. I'm almost nervous to tell you all about Saffron because if you all go to one of my favorite restaurants and you mess it up, I'll be very angry. Saffron is... Modern Indian dining, but it's chic and it's classy and it's sophisticated. And here's what I like about my ethnic restaurants. And I hope I can say this without sounding racist, which I probably won't be able to do. Just do it without an accent. Uh, 
See, look, you were about to do it. Don't do it, Sherwin. Just say it. Hang without... on. You're making me stressed out. My therapist says sometimes I get flooded. I get overwhelmed and I have to count to 10. If I go to an ethnic restaurant, I want to see people dining in that restaurant that are of that ethnicity. If I go to a Chinese restaurant and there's no Chinese people in the restaurant, I got to wonder. If I go to a Chinese buffet and it's all black people, that's like going into a public school where all the teachers, administrators, and principals are white, but the students are black. They, those restaurant owners, like a Chinese restaurant, as an example, that has an all-black clientele, know that they aren't making food for their people. They're not making food for their community. They're not making food for their family. They'll put anything in that food. We love Chinese food. Chinese food is always on the short list. If ever I don't know what to eat, I mean, it's always Chinese. It's always. It's a go-to. But at Saffron, it was plenty Indian people in there. I wanted to say hi to them. But you just leave people alone. I just because I'm friendly. I love saffron. It's expensive though, but you can't get you gotta love Indian food. I love me some curry. I love some tiki masalas. I like all that stuff. The individual I was dining with, because I don't eat meat, you know. Not really. She got lamb chops. Those lamb chops were so good. I wanted to start a small George Floyd protest. Like, that's how good the lamb chops were. Like, I wanted to just, I wanted to say Black Lives Matter. They were so tender. They were so good. And she got tandoori lamb chops. I'm not lying. It was so dramatic. You know how you go to a Mexican restaurant and you get fajitas and they come out sizzling and everybody looks? People that order fajitas at a Mexican restaurant, they're just, they love drama because it's a dramatic presentation. Well, if you get either tandoori chicken or the tandoori lamb chops at Saffron, which I highly recommend. They bring out a wooden box, right? It's a dude that comes out of nowhere. He's Indian. He's got, he's got black gloves on. And they present you with this. It's like a, a light, like it's oak. It's a box. It's like a shoe box. And it's got a, a handle on the top of it. And he said, oh, who had the tandoori lamb chops? And Chickpea was like, oh, it's mine. So he presents this wooden box with this handle on the top and he pulls the handle off and it's just, it's smoke everywhere. It filled the corner of the restaurant we were in with smoke. He opens his body. I thought a genie was going to come out that MF. And it was, and then he presented the plate and it was just smoke. I started clapping. I never seen nothing like that before. It's beautiful. All the people are in there. Indians at the table next to us. I'm not going to say what they said, but they they said something. They're probably doctors. That's not that's a that's a nice stereotype. But no, I would recommend. No, I don't recommend because I don't want to go to Saffron and have y'all messing my restaurant up, complaining about stuff. It wasn't enough ice in my water. How come it's only two tomatoes in my salad? I think I should get this meal for free. Not that I want to stereotype our people, but if we go to a restaurant where we are not familiar with the culture and the food and the food of the culture and the culture of the restaurant, we will see some things that look discriminatory to us because a lot of things that exist in some of those places and spaces are foreign to us. And we, it'll seem like it's missing, like they're treating us poorly. It's a whole language you got to speak. Now, it also wasn't cheap. I don't want to tell you how much I paid for the meal, but I also paid 
for the experience of it. Saffron, and they play like hip hop music. Ah, I shouldn't have said that. That was a wrong thing to say. Wait, so they have DJs? <laughs> no, they have like this music playing in the background, but it's really, it's young ish. It's a mixture of young people and people that live in like condos downtown. So imagine that demographic. But it was surprisingly diverse. I think my friend told me about it. Like I saw a black dude there with a neck tattoo. I saw he was there. There were whites. There were Indians, which makes me comfortable. If I go to a Mexican restaurant, that's why the Mexican restaurants that I go to, I prefer. Because when Mexicans go out to eat, this is where Mexican people go. This is where Puerto Ricans go to get Mexican food. And I'm not going to tell you the name of that one either because I don't want y'all in my restaurant. And it's not La Fuente. And it's not, what's the other one? Uh, The one that the black people love, the Mexican restaurant. What is it? It's on South Fifth Street. What's the name of them? Botanas. That's the one y'all be going to. All right, I'm taking a break. Oh, we're talking about the demographics of social media. We also got to talk about black-owned businesses. Black people, if you cook really good, because a lot of you do, don't open up a soul food restaurant. We have a whole bunch of those, and there's we've saturated the market with soul food restaurants. And I think as time goes on, we as black people. The younger generations of African-Americans are eating less and less and less soul food because they don't know how to prepare it because Big Mama's been dead. Like Big Mama started dying in like the 80s and the 90s, and she didn't necessarily pass down her traditions to everybody in the family. I think that African-Americans make incredible renditions of other ethnicities' food. I always use lasagna as a benchmark. If you've ever had lasagna made by a black woman, it is better lasagna than Italians make. I don't know what it is, but when black people put their cultural creativity on other ethnic cuisine, like a black woman's spaghetti. Now, we've also said exercise caution when you eat an African-American woman's spaghetti. Don't eat it on a first date for a number of reasons. I'll let you go to Google for that. But the way we make other people's cuisine. So barbecue. So for some reason, I liken barbecue. I got to take a break after this. I liken barbecue to black African-American Southern tradition because a lot of good barbecue comes from the South. Okay, There's so many barbecue restaurants up here in the North and like Brookfield. It's crazy. Like they'll take food that may not be a mainstay of their culture. Like the backyard barbecue at a black picnic or a black, you know, summer day. It's ribs. It's chicken. Maybe you throw some burgers on. Maybe you throw on some hot dogs for the kids, right? And I don't want to stereotype the white barbecue, but their barbecues are hot dogs and hamburgers. Maybe they'll have ribs. Maybe. So I liken barbecue to a part of our culture. And they'll take barbecue, and they'll have a white-owned barbecue restaurant. And then black folks will go to that. There is nothing wrong with your culture putting your interpretation on another nation's food and then selling it as fusion, right? Just something to think about. Take a break, come back. My touch on these social media demographics again, but I really got to get into black owned businesses, like a snapshot of them, who has them, how well they're doing. Have they increased since the COVID? Have they decreased since the COVID? The state of black businesses in America. And, oh, look, Lisa's on line one. So that'll be a conversation worth noting. We'll do all of that when we come back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be back shortly. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app. 
and 1017thetruth.com. have a really good a thanksgiving story but no you shouldn't tell it though because it's i feel like it just gets better every year you were if i remember correctly i think i only heard bits and pieces of the story you were somewhat disappointed by a thanksgiving meal that was offered to you and benjamin felt so bad benjamin he drove from racine to bring you a plate felt bad for you it's okay all right well we don't want to stereotype people based on their race when it comes to cooking. But, I mean, you know. Or what they eat. Yeah, well, we all eat culturally. If you go back far enough, all of us eat weird stuff. There's stuff that people eat that human beings should not eat anymore. Now everybody eats chicken. I got a story here. That we eat so much chicken. I don't think y'all quite appreciate how much chicken Americans eat. They call it the chickenization of America because for some reason we think that chicken is more healthy than beef. But here's the other part that people aren't grasping. The meat that you get from a single chicken, you need 100 chickens to produce the same amount of meat from a single cow. There's 10 billion chickens in this country because y'all can't stop going to Popeye's. I'm talking about that, too. But you need to watch. I told you about this documentary called Super Size Me Part 2 Holy Chicken. If you eat chicken and you do, and if you love chicken and you do, you need to see where your chicken comes from. You ever, like, you know who has good chicken like good fried chicken. It's the craziest thing ever. Hot delis at grocery stores. Metro Market, Pick and Save, Chicken, Slap City. Very good. And you know how you feel lucky if you get like a really big chicken breast? Like, damn, no chicken breast is good. I get two of those. Or you get a rotisserie chicken. I don't care who you are. I'm, vegans eat rotisserie chicken. Rotisserie chicken is a culinary delight. If I'm feeling a little sad. I'll get a rotisserie chicken. Go way in the back of the parking lot of the grocery store. I'll take off my shirt. And I'll eat it with my hands. Just wipe the grease on my seats. If you see how they pump these chickens full of hormones and chemicals, because Americans like gigantic chicken breasts. I mean, we just like big breasts as it is. But these chickens are so pumped full of unnatural hormones and chemicals that they have heart attacks. So when you watch this documentary, Super Size Me Too, Holy Chicken, when the farmers go in and check on the chickens, right, it's a field of just chickens. They don't have any room to move because they got to pack these chickens into these giant, they're like football field sized chicken coops. And you know what they got to do every couple hours? Pick out the dead ones because they have heart attacks because their breasts are so big. 
that their hearts can't even function properly or their breasts are so big because we pump our chickens full of so many chemicals and hormones. They just fall over and just because they can't get up. But, oh, we see a chicken. breast. Oh, I'm going to buy this one. Oh, it'll change your whole perception. But the other thing is we are so detached from the farm and our chicken. If you go to a farms are disgusting. They smell horrible. There's feces everywhere. It is vile. But if you look at those chickens that are crawling all over each other and dying and some of them are starting to rot because if the farmer doesn't find the chicken in enough time, it just starts to rot and it starts to decompose. And if you take that scene and then you transform it to a four piece from Popeye's, it doesn't even look like the same thing. It's such a disconnect between a dead chicken rotting in an overcrowded football field sized coop to a four piece and a biscuit. In fact, chicken is like when you prepare chicken and you fry it, it don't even really seem like it came from an animal. Chicken is just the name. It's just you call it chicken. That means you know what it is. You know what it tastes like. You know what the texture is. But we are so incredibly detached. That's why I think y'all need to start growing your own food. If you want chicken, you know, you can have a certain amount of chickens in Milwaukee. You know that? You can raise your own chicken. You can. I bet you if you had to slaughter your own chicken, like wring its neck, pull off all the feathers, cut it, take out the entrails. You wouldn't eat chicken no more. But because the chicken that we buy and when we buy a prepared, it's so good. It's so good. It's 10 billion chickens. Not to mention y'all love wings. It's like 3 billion chickens running around right now with no arms because y'all just love wings. Nah, just just give me the wings. Let's leave the rest of the chicken. It's the chicken just walking around. No, Bob has one wing. Let's talk to Lisa. Lisa, do you like chicken? No, I do not. Yes, you do. You're black. No, I do not. Why don't you I like don't. chicken? I never, my mother was a chickaholic. Chickenholic or whatever. She loved chicken, chicken, chicken. That what made me hate it because I just hate chicken. So what do you eat? I, you know, turkey. Ground beef, steak, you know, I just pretty much. Lisa, you know, a turkey is just a big fat chicken. Okay, no, after I learned, like you said, all them pesticides they put in that chicken. And first of all, I like I said, I didn't care for chicken because my mother ate so much of it. So I didn't eat it. So, you know, I, now I rarely eat chicken. I, I, You know, my niece was in my freezer. She threw away a lot of, you know, chicken that I had in there for months. You know, and I, you think you want to, I think I want to prepare it, but then, you know, oh, let me get some drumsticks. I like drumsticks. Oh, give me some drumsticks. Drumsticks in there for months. I, I, but, you know, I have my ground beef in there, my steaks, my shrimps, my, if I get a lobster or whatever, that's what I have in, you know, and turkey. I eat turkey bacon, turkey sausage. I don't like the turkey, turkey meat. But yeah, I mean, turkeys uh, pretty much raised the same way. They pump them full of hormones and make them have big breasts, too. Well, you know what? What? I haven't heard. Probably You're probably right and true, but I haven't got sick off of it. I don't okay. I haven't ate pork in like 30 years. I, no, Why not? Are you one of them Muslims? Because Muslims don't eat the pork. No, because, oh, sure. When my favorite, I will come home from work and make me a fry me up a pork chop sandwich with some cheese on there, some sandwich bread. Oh, my toasted bread. Oh, my gosh. Every day. Sandwich spread. I haven't heard sandwich bread in years. We used to eat sandwich spread sandwiches. As a kid, I loved them. 
which is yeah, weird. Sandwich bread. Sandwich is, okay. Uh, oh, you never had a sandwich bread sandwich before? No. What's, what's in between there? Nothing. Like some bologna? Yeah. Okay, no, no. Just sandwich bread. No. I was a weird uh, kid, apparently. Yes, you were. Do they it's still no make bologna. sandwich bread? It's got like the like relish yes. in it. I, I still buy it. You know, you put it in your tuna fish. You put it in some of your salads. Yeah, potato salad, tuna salad. You know, I'm old school, like you was talking about. The restaurants we have nowadays, come on, you're right, we do have too many soul food restaurants. We need soul food cuisine presented to me in a, uh, like you in a high, you know, high style restaurant. That's how we should present our, because it is a cuisine. Everyone else's is a cuisine, so why our soul food is not a cuisine? You know, put it, Make it fancy. Make the greens and like a little pretty whatever and a little pizza. If you want pork, style the pork or whatever and make it present it pretty. Soul food is too specific, though, Lisa, because like what suffices as delicious turnip greens, mustard greens and collard greens in one family? What suffices as really good chicken and dressing or turkey turkey and dressing in one family? The next family, if they taste that same recipe, will hate it. Every soul food recipe you eat, like the way my mama makes candied yams and the way somebody else's mama makes candy yams are totally right. different. So it's hard to normalize soul food and make it palatable for all people because everywhere you go, it tastes different. But like you said, fusion. You got to create something different. You, you we, Yeah, we go in there, it's like, yeah, we want some greens and everything. And our mind thinking it's our parents, you know, our mom taught you cook it. But if you presented some different, some type of way different, I, I'm going to eat it because it's, it's different. You know, everywhere I go, when I, want, I go out and I travel, I always want grits and sh- shrimp and grits. Every time I go somewhere, it's a different soul food restaurant. The grits, uh, shrimp and grits are different. Some have gravy, some don't. Some have an egg on it, whatever. It's different. It's a different fusion. I love it. I love those type of soul food restaurants. You can have a soul, a hole in the wall. I don't even think shrimp and grits is soul food. Shrimp and grits is just southern. That's not soul food. What? So what? Southern? You know, southern. You think you think soul food? You think southern? Yes, you do. So you know. When hey, I think soul food, I think black people. Because a lot of times, black people and white people in the South eat the same soul, eat the same food. But when black people prepare the same things, it's more soulful. Because in the South, but they all eat the same stuff. Yeah, they do. But, you know, even like now, I, you know, every year doing this, you know, mommy cooking, she taught me how to, you know, for the holidays. I'm so tired of dressing macaroni and cheese yeah. and all that. Like I told them on the holidays, y'all, give me something different to cook. Give me something different to cook to present on the table. Because you've been eating the same thing, and then you're eating it, what, three or four times a year? The same thing. I mean, more often than that, sometimes, Lisa, because sometimes what suffices for Christmas dinner, oh, you don't celebrate those holidays, but us, we do. It's, it just suffices yeah, as Sunday dinner. Like Sunday dinner is the same as Thanksgiving dinner. It's the same as dinner for somebody's birthday. It's the same food you might have at a damn funeral, at a repast. It's the same food you may have for Christmas. But Lisa, I have to go now. I have to leave. Okay. Here. I love you. See you later. Goodbye. Have a good weekday. I'll call you tomorrow. I know you will. <laughs> Lisa over here sounds like we dating. I love you. Okay, then. I'll call you tomorrow on my way home from work. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. At 11 o'clock, we'll be joined in studio by Jim Tolkien. He'll be here talking about the Milwaukee Auto Show. 
presented by the Automotive Dealers Association of Mega Milwaukee. The auto show is going on now through March 3rd. And you guys know I'm a car guy. I like cars very much a lot. I want to talk to him about all the things that are going to be featured at the auto show, what you can expect. But then also the phenomenon of the electric car, which you Americans are slow to embrace. Oh, but don't worry. It'll catch on. And once you understand the magic of driving an electrified vehicle and the costs are lower, what is it with y'all? We are just gluttons to spend unnecessary money on stuff. So I've got a hybrid. It's got a gas engine, seven-gallon tank, and it runs on battery power. I usually get about, it depends on the weather, between 25 and 40 miles of all electric power, meaning... If I'm driving and or commuting in a day less than 25 to 40 miles, I expend no gasoline. None. I've had tanks of gas. So a seven gallon tank. And with me, gas prices, it doesn't matter because there's so much time that passes between fill ups. It literally doesn't matter. I've had a tank of gas last me six months. I need you to do the math on this now. If gas is four dollars a gallon. It costs me. $28 to fill my tank and it may last from January to June. Now you're wondering, well, how much electricity do you use to charge your vehicle? Excellent question. I have an answer for you. $14. So I do all my driving, do run my little errands, go to my meetings, come here to work, go home, do whatever I got to do. When I get home, I plug in my vehicle. I may leave again. Have somewhere else to go, some running around to do, somebody I got to go pick up, go pick up some food, whatever, go back home, charge my vehicle, okay? $14 a month of electricity. That's how much it costs to drive my vehicle to commute. So it's cheaper. And there's no maintenance. There's no transmission service. There's no differential service. My oil changes are every two years. My car has to tell me. To get an oil change because you just you totally forget about it. And I don't do it to save the planet. I don't have a plant-based diet to because I care about animals. Animals are delicious. I do it for health reasons because I feel better. I have more energy. I sleep better. You know, it turbocharges my exercise. So if you eat, and it depends on the person and your body composition, whatever, your metabolism. But if I was to eat, you know, meat, you know, chicken and and beef and pork, and you can eat it in moderation. You can have leaner cuts of animal-based protein. And if I exercise regularly, if I got cardio five days a week, maybe I would lose five pounds a month. If I exercise regularly and eat leaner, portion-conscious meals of animal-based protein, maybe five pounds a month, maybe. Plant-based diets and that same amount of exercise you're losing 10 to 15 pounds a month dramatic dramatic difference and if you want to turbocharge your weight loss and keep it off and just be overall healthier because you guys don't get enough fiber gotta eat more fiber supposed to get 30 grams 35 grams of fiber per day i guarantee you guys don't get that in fact i know that you don't but here's the thing about fiber what goes in the muscle come out gotta drink a lot of water when you have fiber, do not know how we went from the auto show to being regular, but there you go. Dion says he put sugar on his grits. Not you too, Zach. Uh, yeah, 
I it's rare when I do eat them, but if I do eat them, I prefer to have sugar on them. No. Like, I just had shrimp and grits for the first time last week. Okay, so that grits are savory. Grits are like the corn version. Now, the texture is a little bit different of like mashed potatoes. You would never put sugar in mashed potatoes. Of course you wouldn't. It's like it's a starch. You don't put, would you, don't, don't. I'm not going to tell you what to eat, but the shrimp and grits is a perfect way to have it. You got cheese in there and you got some gravy, maybe you got some little butter in there. That's how you do the grit. You don't put sugar in the grit. So typically people that put sugar in their grits, um, more likely to be felons and probably more likely to be a reckless driver. If you put sugar in your grits, you absolutely don't have car insurance. If you put sugar in your grits, you're lucky if your credit score is 550, maybe on a good day. So there's actually a direct scientific correlation between people that put sugar in their grits and just a likelihood of having bad kids. Oh, oh, sugar grits people, they don't vote at all. Or if they do vote, they vote for Trump. So just an FYI, sugar gritters. Maybe I'll change my ways. It might be too late for you, sir. I never have had shrimp and grits, and I don't want it because grits is a breakfast food. Deion, please go back to work. Please. LT says, I make lobster, mac and cheese, shrimp and grits, stuffing or a dressing for Thanksgiving. It never has to be the same. Brian says, genetically modified organisms. LT says, quick trip fried chicken is on fire. Sometimes you get a thigh and it's so big, you got to wonder how big was the rest of the chicken. So I swear, like the chickens that we eat, they give them, these chickens got BBLs. Bruh. Them chickens be thick. Them chickens will end up being in a Megan the Stallion video because they're just. Damn. Bob, I'm going to take a break and I'll come back to you because Bob will just change the direction of the show. Bob, are you playing the saxophone today? I, I miss when you used to play the saxophone and not talk. So, Bob, get your saxophone ready. We'll talk to you after the break. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Curtis says he puts maple syrup on his grits. Oh, you definitely have a warrant. Are you out of your damn mind? That's exactly right. The caller says, Kashi cereal or Wheaties are a great source of fiber for those who are having problems being regular. Both are natural laxatives. Too processed. Your fiber should come from whole plant sources. Apples, peaches, pears, plums, grapes, bananas, avocados, cauliflower, broccoli, fruits and vegetables, ladies and gentlemen. Get you some romaine. Get you some endive. Make you a salad. All you need is a little salt, a little pepper, a little lemon juice, a little olive oil. Olive oil is very, very good for you. Put olive oil on everything. Put olive oil in your food and put it on your salad. Put olive oil on each other. It's very good for you. It's a vasodilator. It lowers your blood pressure. It's an anti-inflammatory. Use the olive oil. Look at the countries where the people live forever and look at what they eat. Now look at what you eat. First of all, stop eating catfish. It is disgusting. Who told us catfish was good? 
The only way you ever see catfish prepared, this is how I know it's disgusting. You have to fry it. Nobody eats baked catfish because it would be nauseating. No. Any other fish you can bake. Some fish is so good you never fry it. Salmon. Well, leave it up to us. We'd fry salmon. You know what else we fry? Lobster tails. Lobster is a very delicate, tender, like an indescribable kind of flavor. Why would you fry lobster tails? And only we do it. We'll fry anything. We will fry anything. Don't fry lobster. What else do we fry? I don't know. Too much stuff. Let's talk to Bob, are you playing the saxophone for us? Thank you. We can't wait. Okay, go ahead, Bob. Go ahead and start with the sax. All right, and go. Sherwin, how you doing, Sherwin? Uh, no, I got a system I'm thinking about. I bought another cell phone, and then I take myself, and then I send it in to you, and you can decide whether you want to play it on Monday or not, rather than me to come in there. You know, and then I won't talk probably Wait, so Bob, much. Bob, so, hold on a second. So you bought another cell phone just so you can record yourself? I don't understand that. Yeah, so I can record myself just like I sent you, and then I'm going to learn how to send you, you know, me playing it, because, you know, and then you can decide on whether you want to play it on Monday Monday morning. Bob, stop for a second. Stop. So, the cell, you're talking to us on a cell phone right now. Is that correct? Yes, sir. The cell phone that you are talking to us on now has a record feature. So you could just hit record on this cell phone and record you playing the saxophone. There is no need to purchase a second cell phone. Really? Oh, oh okay. And then, and, then, and then I can still send it in. Yeah, I got to learn how Bob. to send it in. If, oh, if you purchase okay. another cell phone, obviously that cell phone has a record feature on it, correct? Yeah. Correct. So gonna, does the phone you're using, man. Yeah, but see, the reason well, I really have already purchased another cell phone, the reason I did that is because I can record myself, and when I used to play I can play too. I I just needed another cell phone so I can. I couldn't talk to you and play the sex too on the air, so I had to buy another set uh, a cell phone. But uh, I was glad to holler at Zach. You know, he uh, saved my life one time when the Mexican black guy was on the air, and you know, I told a joke. And he told me up, and then Miss Ricks was finna tear me up, and Zach came to my rescue and said, "Oh, he's just kidding." And then she the, got off wait, the, phone the Mexican me. black guy was he? Wait, Zach saved your life because of a Mexican black guy? Who's the Mexican black guy? Must be David. There oh, was oh, DZ. Way. Oh, DZ's not Mexican. And DZ, he's not Mexican. Oh, I thought oh, he was, was Mexican different. and black. That was different. Hello? Do-do-do. We're sorry. Your call okay. cannot be completed okay. this time. Okay, now let's... Look, give, give Dion a little light, man. He's a good 
Example to black guys. He was Dion is on paper. The man works, and then he's getting a second job. He's a good example, and he's nice enough to tell us about he was incarcerated, and then he's working and making a good living, and you know, give, give him a little slack, I guess. And and uh, the last point is the third party worries me. That's the only thing that worries me. The third party, cause, you know, and, and they should not vote the third party because if you're not going to vote for Trump or Biden then you need to stay home and not vote. Bob, we can't say that. It's just more people need to vote for one of the two major party candidates than a third party. I think that democracy is best served when people can have their interests represented by a variety of candidates. Now, I personally believe that more people will see Joe Biden's version of America as more palatable than either a third party or Donald Trump. So I'm not particularly worried about it. You don't worry about it either. Well, a third, okay, then, then think about this then. A third party, when you vote third party, because I think that I hurt Biden, and I, I, you know, but I, I think he'll still win. I believe that. But if you're going to vote third party, just say you're kissing the ring of Trump because you're helping Trump. I want Seriously. Nikki Haley to run as a third party candidate because then that assures Donald Trump's demise. Yeah, me too. That and we want her nice. to stay in the race, even though it may not make any sense. The longer Nikki Haley stays in the race, the more she's going to remind people of the monster that Donald Trump is. And she knows as well as anybody else because she was an appointee of his. So her staying in the race, she's throwing the race for Trump. A lot of folks may not understand it. And then she believes she's going to be looked at as a hero in the future because the longer she stays in, the more negative stuff she brings up about Trump. Because America just needs to be reminded of how much of a monster Donald Trump actually is. And Nikki Haley staying in the race is the Democrats' best hope. But, Bob, I have to go now. I have to leave. Excellent point. Excellent point. And you take take it easy, sir. Okay. You take it easy. All right. Goodbye there, sir. John, I only have one minute. Can you get your comment out in a minute? I, I, the Experimental Aircraft Association is having their convention from July 22nd to, twi- to July 28th. In Oshkosh. I heard up. I hurried up and bought a ticket, but the children's tickets are free. Just think how many children would like, love to see that. And I don't know whether the police athletic league still exists or not. They used to do things like that for children at one time. But, okay, uh, so we'll take the children up to Oshkosh for the EAA fly-in. Right. Okay, thank you. I'll right. take a bunch of children. Thank you, John. I'll just find some kids. Come here, kid. Get in my car. Shut up. Going to EAA and Oshkosh. Help me. Amber alerts all over the place. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back with Jim Tolkien of The Auto Show.